you've studied your butt off, landed the interview, passed the whiteboarding exercises, nailed the behavioral interview, and finally got the job. Congratulations on your new positions. So now what? Today, we're sharing some of our experiences to help you transition into your job as smooth as possible. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Ladybug Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm Sydney. I'm Allie. And I'm Emma. And we're debugging the tech industry. Something we often discuss on the podcast is productivity. One tool that helps thousands of web developers and designers do more every day is GoDaddy Pro. Combining site, client, and project management, GoDaddy Pro is an all-in-one solution made by and for web professionals. Whether you're new to web design or looking to grow your business, you'll find free tools, products, guidance, and support to help you deliver results for clients. At the heart of GoDaddy Pro is the hub. From one intuitive dashboard, the hub seamlessly brings your sites, clients, and projects together. Manage and monitor all your clients' WordPress sites from a single place, no matter where they're hosted. With a single click, perform bulk updates, backups, security checks, and more to save time and free up your day. On top of all that, you'll find a thriving community of web designers and developers who share advice, insights, and learning opportunities. GoDaddy Pro is free to join, so head over to go.me slash ladybug to get started. Again, that's go.me slash ladybug. So welcome, everybody, and hello, ladies. How are you this fine Monday morning at 9 a.m. <laughs> Central time. So confusing. I know it's see. 10 it, what, in Kelly's, and it's about 3 where you are, Emma. It's 4 here. We actually just switched the clocks on Ooh. Sunday. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's different. That's interesting. I wish that would stop, but that's yeah. okay. It's fine. Oh, hi. How are you guys? Uh, it's so good to see everybody this morning. I see that the comments are just kind of like going kind of bonkers right now. So we'll be kind of checking in with you guys with some of your questions later on at the end of this. But today we are talking about uh, you got a job. So now what? There are a couple of things that we think would be really good to share with you guys. But uh, I really want to know, like, I just feel like with the experience of like having that first offer was just very, uh, just surreal, I guess. I don't know about like you, Emma, for like Spotify, since that was your dream job or with you, Allie, with AWS, like, what was that feeling like for you guys when you like got that, like when they said, yes, we want you, like, let's go, let's do this. Um, so I actually didn't ever negotiate a job offer ever until Spotify gave me an well, it's not great. Actually, I think you should always negotiate up until a certain point. And actually, women are less likely to negotiate salaries. Um, so yeah, it is we could do we should do a whole episode about salary negotiation. But when I got an offer from Spotify, I did try to negotiate and I have a couple of tips that I can mention in mm-hmm. a second. Um, but they actually what I loved, they gave me the best offer they possibly could straight out of the gate. They didn't even try to like, force me to negotiate, which I appreciated. Oh, I see. That's yeah. how I actually handle it at the tap room. I set everything fixed salary. This is exactly what you're going to be getting paid. Everyone gets the same benefits. I mean, when you have unlimited vacation plus, you know, 20 minimum days or whatever, there's not much to negotiate. But my my goal there is to take the pressure off of having to negotiate yeah. and let you focus on everything else that comes with getting a new job. So 
that was a very intentional move that I made. Yeah, actually like doing the job and like having people focus on actually wanting to like transition into it pretty smoothly. That's really great. That's that's really great that the tap room is doing it. What about you, Allie? How, how about you with that? I did not negotiate for my first job. I tried to and they were just like, no, like, no. Um, but the last couple jobs I have, uh, General Assembly was also, I think like Kelly and Spotify where they give you what they can off out the gate, which, um, (laughs) is not, not the best anyways. Um, but it's good that they do give you what they can, uh, when they do. Um, even though that's probably not a market offer. And then with AWS, um, I did negotiate and so that's, that's where I am. That's really interesting. Like I I've had a complete like opposite, like when it came to my first job, it was just like, here's the number they, they like told me off the bat, like what the number was. And I was like, there's no, like, nope, I can't do that. Like, what can you do to kind of like close the gap for me? Because like, this is what I'm looking for. And, um, that, that didn't take very long for them to be like, okay, we want you just like take the money and like leave. So just go. And that, I don't know, like you guys have had different experiences. I'm really grateful for mine. And I know that in other positions that I've had that are not tech related, I've definitely like not negotiated my salary. But uh, I think that we should at least like give our audience here some tips on how we should actually negotiate. And so, um, Emma, do you want to talk about some points that you have first? Yeah, definitely. So uh, before you do negotiate, First of all, you need to do your research. I find that a lot of candidates, from what I've seen and and from what people have said, a lot of candidates try to negotiate for the hell of negotiating and they don't actually do their market research. So you need to to do some research to see how much is your position paid on average for your geographic location and given like the job requirements. Uh, That's like Glassdoor is a really great website to check related salaries for your job role. Uh, but yeah, you need to have like some semblance of an idea of like what you should be expecting to receive. Uh, and really it's all about why do you deserve this? Like, so when I wrote my negotiation letter, it was all about like, I am really excited to work with the team. You know, I really hope I can join you given, you know, all of these things. And I listed out some of the contributions that I make given, you know, that I'm a heavy contributor and I make, you know, courses and I'm essentially acting as a representative of Spotify to the community through my work, um, I'm looking for something in this range or around this number. Um, what do you think? And and just remember, like your um, recruiter wants to help you, but they do have constraints. And so you need to recognize this uh, and make it clear that you really do want the job. Don't don't say like, oh, if you don't give me this, I'm gone. No ultimatums. If you give them an ultimatum, they're, just, they're probably going to rescind an offer, which uh, I've never had happen, uh, but I have heard horror stories. (laughs) So, so just, I would just suggest if you're going to negotiate, do some research about how to negotiate effectively. I think the Harvard Business Review has a great article. Uh, And just, you know, have someone that you trust uh, professionally read through it, make sure like, or use Grammarly if you don't trust someone not to spill the fact that you got a new job offer. Use Grammarly. um, The paid feature they have a tone analyzer that can analyze your tone. So making sure it's not aggressive or anything. I will say with one caveat, okay, always don't give ultimatums. But I also see if you negotiate and it's completely reasonable and that company rescinds the job offer, consider that a blessing in disguise because that's generally a red flag 
if the if the For company a toxic is just like work environment exactly exactly <laughs> that's a lot to have to deal with yeah there's a, a question in the chat i'm seeing uh and for those listening on a podcast app this is our last episode of the season so it is live on video which is wonderful um so the question is do you think geographic location has a role in salary negotiation for a remote role absolutely it does if you're going to be working remotely um it's kind of up to the company to determine whether or not they want to uh, provide the same level of salary across all similar roles in the company, uh, or if they want to base it off geographic location. So just make sure that you're aware of that. Yeah, it's, it definitely varies from from company to company how they how they want to handle that. Um, I have mixed feelings about offering a lower salary just because somebody happens to be living, let's say, in Nebraska. I don't know what the going rate is in Nebraska, so I'm just throwing out a random state. But <laughs> uh I, I have mixed feelings about it because you shouldn't be penalized for living in a low cost of living area either. Um, I love how um, some of these companies are starting to uh, make sure that their rate is kind of constant depending on like your geographical location. Now that it's basically like kind of standard that we're working from home now. So definitely make sure that you guys do your research because you never know like what you can negotiate, especially if it's not necessarily the monetary value that they're able to give you. Maybe they're able to do something else when it comes to negotiating some of your benefits, like how many days potentially that you'll get off. Or if there is, I don't know, like something about potentially like insurance policies, whether or not you're able to work from home, whether or not you can negotiate for that. Um, negotiating for like a stipend or something for like office supplies. Like if you're working from home, like, is it okay that I can like buy a desk on the company's card? Like there are different things that you guys can negotiate that's not just money. So make sure that you guys are aware of that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a really important point. And actually, I was going to mention Wesley in the comments actually commented on mm -hmm. that exact thing. Um, real quick, though, about negotiating paid time off. Uh, this might just be an American uh, like benefit in terms of negotiating, because I believe in Germany and Sweden, our vacation days are set by the government. So I wouldn't necessarily say we can negotiate paid time off in Europe, but I'm not positive. I just believe that that is true. But equity is a great thing to be able to negotiate or or working hours if you can't negotiate PTO. Yeah. And to build off of that, I would say that a lot of very large companies aren't going to be able to change that either. It's just set universally across the board. But in my experience, most startups are able to, but they're usually less likely to negotiate on salary because usually they don't have much they're money. startup for, yeah. Unless yeah, they're like yeah, yeah, VC backed. <laughs> Please go easy on this, us, us bootstrap startups that don't have, you know, millions of dollars in the, the bank account to pay top tier <laughs> salaries. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So depending on the job, it's going to be different what you can actually negotiate and right. meaningfully too. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I think that, is there any other things that we want to talk about when it comes to the salaries and like negotiations and things? Um, oh, Julieta says in Germany, the vacation days are by law two days per month. So at least 24 days a year in some companies. Uh, up to about 30. So, oh, that's really interesting. Like, yeah. you can take, also you can take one or two days off if you're sick with, oh, okay. That's very, that's very nice. I, I would love that. Yeah. Because I feel like very nervous about like having to take sick days. And I, I think that that's just like a very American thing where it's like, make sure that you keep working, make sure that you do this. It is an just, American thing. I don't know. <laughs> it absolutely is an American it thing. Is. Also taking mental health days. Oh my God. 
Yeah, just that's a lot. So make sure you guys are, again, doing your research on it because you never know what you can negotiate. There are going to be limits, but yeah. Um, Moving on, I think. Uh, Now that you have gotten the job, uh, potentially after you've negotiated your salary or negotiated your benefits, um, there's going to be a lot of housekeeping that I think that you guys should be making sure that you do at least like the first couple of weeks on the job. I feel like in the first two weeks, I'm very like anal about this myself. So um, there are a couple of things that I feel like we should be doing over the course of those few weeks, especially uh, because this is just going to kind of determine like what exactly the pace that you're going to go at when it comes to your job for like the rest of the time. So expect to feel overwhelmed, especially like in a developer position or some type of tech position, you're not going to always know what is like going on or what's like what technologies you're going to be exclusively using, um, who you're going to be able to talk to about like different things that you might need on your team. Uh, Like the hierarchy necessarily of like who like your management is, who you need to talk to in HR about different things. So there's a lot to kind of go through when it comes to figuring out like the different like nuances of your company or just your department or just in general, a whole new career. So just be mindful, expect to feel overwhelmed and it's okay to be figuring these things out and it's okay to be asking these questions. And um, I don't know, I, I feel like with my, when I had transitioned into a tech job, like the first thing that I did was like, I asked one of my coworkers as well as my manager, just like, I went out for a coffee with them. I went one-on-one. I just got some like basic, like personal questions answered about them. Like I got to know them a little bit better and they got to know me a little bit better. And I'm sure that it's going to be different depending on whether or not somebody is going to be working from home, but getting your basic questions answered from them and then being able to have like that kind of way to kind of slip in and like have them be your ally or friend or like a lunch buddy or something. I think that that's not a bad way to like start off your, uh, what is it? Transition into a new role. So yeah. 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 I would actually go beyond that. And I would say it's to schedule like a half an hour one-on-one with every person that you think you're going to be working with directly, because the most important thing that you can do early is to build trust and to build up relationships with these people, because you're going to eventually need them in order to get things done or to ask questions to, or um, in order to collaborate with them on things, you're going to get need to get their opinion. And so building up that relationship early and talking about both what they do in their job, what their role is, um, what their day-to-day looks like, but then also who they are as a person. So you can sidebar them in meetings and be like, oh, you know, how was your weekend or whatever. I think that those types of things go a really long way and building those relationships up before you have to have the more difficult conversations with them down the road is really important. And I definitely sense. want to, I want to stress like this, this goes beyond those, like your, your coworkers, anyone tangentially related to your job, like expand, expand out in the company. I wrote a blog post called five reasons why Spotify's onboarding is better than yours, which is a sassy ass title and I'm here for it. <laughs> but um, it kind of relates to Ali's point. So when I first joined, they set up a Trello board for me with different pipelines mm. corresponding to the, the different weeks, the first like six weeks or so that I was there or like months. And they had different tasks. And one, I had a card for every single team member. So there was a whole column with everyone's, uh, all the team members, their photos, their bios, everything about them. And then 
a card that said schedule a 30 minute one-on-one with every single person. And I had to check it off every time I did. Um, Oh, they, uh, they also assigned me a buddy. So even before I joined, I was an email contact with this person. Uh, they were, they attended some of my meetings with me, even if they didn't have to be there just for like, you know, emotional support. Um, and there are some other things as well, but this was like the biggest help. I actually, I've never contributed so quickly to a product before in my entire life. Like when I joined IBM, I struggled for a whole year. Uh, I was able to get up and running it in like two weeks, not even on my own, just because of the way that they had done their onboarding. So we'll link the, my blog post in the show notes. We're a, we're a much smaller company than Spotify, obviously, but we, we intentionally pair each new, new hire with somebody else that they can absolutely always go to for anything, but we make very big introductions for everyone who joins the team so they know who everybody is. Um, we, I, I like to think that our developer onboarding process is pretty, pretty great as well. I think that we should also kind of talk about, and I feel this way, I don't know about you guys, um, making sure that you set your boundaries when it comes to work early, because uh, I I feel like, I I don't know if there is anybody else that kind of feels the same way, that it's not always important to stick around to like after office hours or after like common work hours to like know everything in the book, every single little detail and nuance that um, people tell you um, to like do. And I feel like that's also kind of a, a setting like actual like strong boundaries for like between your work and personal life, especially if you're working from home. And setting the precedent that you're always available is not going to be good for you in the long run, especially if you feel like this is uh, that you're feeling obligated because, oh, like I'm new, I need to make sure that I'm learning everything. It's really not always going to be that important to know something and like stay on after hours just to like get that little thing. I'm sure that there are ways and processes for you to make sure that uh, you get whatever questions that you have like answered. And so I I normally set reminders throughout the workday for when I need to get my ass up, when I need to go eat lunch, when I need to go take a walk. I bought my Apple Watch recently just to make sure that I was able to have that like, hey, get up. I need you to get up. I need you to walk around and do like whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's really important for me to set those boundaries because I know that I will commit too much. There'll be too much stuff going on. And I feel like it's important and it's not always important. What about you guys? What do you think about that? I think setting professional and personal boundaries is important. Like I make it very clear to my friends and family that like, Hey, I'm not going to respond right away. I'm not like an instant communicator. Mm. I hate actually using my phone to communicate. So Uh, there's a good likelihood that it'll take me like two weeks to get back to you. (laughs) And so I do that personally and professionally. I feel like... That's a good one. Yeah. I think also getting comfortable with your setup is so important early as Mm -hmm. well. Um, In that, like my new job at AWS, I guess it's not that new anymore. I'm seven to eight months in. But I have Outlook for the first time. I've always had Google Calendar and Gmail and all that set up. And so it was a whole new setup to get used to Outlook. It is so different and so confusing. And so I think that this links into that, that knowing how to turn off notifications at certain times or make it so that my notifications are filtered the correct way on there. So getting used to that setup, I think, is really important early on as well. But 
yeah, I agree. It set those precedences early of maybe not responding to messages outside of work hours. Um, if you are normally somebody who takes lunch breaks, do that. I feel like I just don't when I work remote because I don't know, it feels lonely to me or something. Um, but set those precedences early because if you don't, then you're just going to keep doing that your whole entire time working there probably. Oh, one thing I wanted to mention, um, it, it's not necessarily boundary related, but it is related to like getting to know your team. Sorry. I didn't mean to like steal that from Ali. I just wanted to mention before I forget, uh, in Swedish culture, we have this concept called fika. And basically the idea is to get a coffee and a pastry with someone and just talk and, and spend time actually off of your devices uh and we have this scheduled for my team every day for 30 minutes in the afternoon just to check in with each other uh and not talk about work so this can also be an idea that you bring to your team especially if you're remote um even if you're not remote at some point if we're in the offices again um doing a, a fika or a, a coffee break is really nice especially like we did one-on-ones walking outside so it was nice to social distance but also see someone and <laughs> That's really nice. That's a really nice concept. I feel like um, with me kind of knowing that I want to work remotely a little bit more uh, now that I do have like the space and kind of the mental capacity to uh, kind of compartmentalize like what my tasks are during the day and not have so many like active things kind of going on around me. That would be something that I would consider like in an exposition that I would get to uh, personally get to know uh, some people better as well as my managers and potentially the hierarchy um, that I would like, I guess, like report to and things. So that's actually a great suggestion. Thanks for that. One thing I want to call out, uh, speaking about trust and building relationships is that we have an entire episode about cross-cultural collaboration. If you are working with people from all over the world, um, I highly recommend reading The Culture Map by Aaron Meyer and listening to our episode about it because we talk about how different cultures trust. There are two different kinds. There's effective trust and cognitive trust. I believe effective trust is like relationship-based trust uh or it might be the other way around but one is relationship based where you actually need to build bonds with your coworkers outside uh on a personal level and the other is like the ability to trust them like their professional expertise and like the fact that they'll actually get their stuff done so um highly recommend listening to that especially if you're starting on a new team yeah that's a good point and i think that that's also really important to make sure that um, not only are you trying to make sure that you build that trust, but in some spaces, I I'm going to put this out there that making sure that you build that trust is incredibly important for black and brown people that are going to be coming into, uh, these offices or working remote, um, especially in the tech industry. I've definitely had it where, uh, there have been experiences that I've had where like, I have tried to build bonds with like different people and there have been different situations where I feel like either that trust was broken by me or that trust was broken by that other person. And so that kind of like sets the precedent of like different impressions that people get of you. And so uh, it's it's just really important to make sure that you hit that home if you can read that book and make sure that you check out our resources in the show notes. Definitely you so what was that book called sydney i don't remember off the top of my head all right we will add it to <laughs> thanks the for that <laughs> i appreciate it thanks for calling me out on that <laughs> all good um one thing i do to set boundaries is re- immediately reject any meeting invitation that comes in at an inappropriate hour be that lunch be that any time after like five do y'all do that yep. too that is that is so nice i 
I have definitely had managers where they were like, depending on like whatever high importance, quote unquote, that they feel like it is, like they've asked me through lunch to get on a call for something that's like with production support or just like another meeting. And it's like, are you kidding me? Like I've ignored this before and I've definitely gotten written up for it. I will fully admit that on here on the interwebs. And I think that's incredibly inappropriate. So um, depending on like what company that you're in, I just feel like that kind of culture is like really strange, but that's, that's so nice to be able to just be like, no, I'm not like answering this between 12 and one. I'm not doing this. Just like wait until I have that lunch hour where I'm able to just like relax and like decompress and things. And then we can talk, then we can go from there. Kind of tangent, tangent unrelated, but you know, what really grinds my gears is when (laughs) I send somebody a link to my Calendly that shows my availability and they're like, these times don't work for me. How about these times that are clearly blocked off on your calendar for a reason? You know what sucks for me is trying to fill out a Calendly Calendly for someone and it's either like 4 a.m. my time or 2 a.m. my time. (laughs) Yeah, I think all these things are so difficult. I think, especially in this remote world, I, most of my team works Pacific time and I am in central time. And so a lot of times I do end up working at hours that are imperfect for me. And that's just because I kind of have that privilege of working remote. And so um, my time zones are staggered. And then the other, um, I think another thing to kind of set the precedent on like building those relationships and building that trust is also reporting and knowing the reporting structure and management hierarchy. And this is going to be like a kind of a, I don't know if it's a hot take or like just my opinion or whatever. I like a good spicy take. But there's always going to be like the office policy and like the office drama. And you're going to need to know like who is who when it comes to like the different things that are going on in the structure of like management and things. You never know what's going on above your head. And it's always going to be to your advantage to make sure that you establish trust with all of your coworkers, your management, uh, people that you work like at least closely around, but not necessarily in your department or like parallel to you. Um, it's always, I feel like about making sure that when people are speaking about you, like in the room that you are not inside of, it's always positive. So like knowing that there are going to be office politics wherever you are, making sure that you're not going to be exclusively like involved in anything that's like dramatic and don't be a gossip. Like, don't do that. Just, you know, I understand the need to be like, oh my God, whisper, whisper. Like it happens. We've we've all done it in some cases, but like, don't make that be the precedent of like the impression that you've uh, like are giving off because it's not, you don't want to be opinionated like way too fast when it comes to the different like topics and office drama. So I just wanted to throw that out there for some people because it's very easy to get caught up with just things like that. So don't do it. Just <laughs> Can we also normalize giving direct negative feedback? Uh, yes. We ha- All right, let's talk about this for a second. I mentioned we have an episode on this. Go listen to this, but here's the Spark Note edition. 
Uh, there are two different types of feedback cultures, kind of, two and a half. Um, direct negative feedback cultures like Germany and a lot of countries in Europe, um, I would say, are direct negative feedback cultures where they will literally tell you what they mean. It's very explicit. It can kind of come off harsh depending on where your culture sits in relation to that. If you're more like read between the lines or direct, whatever. Um, but they're very straight to the point. Uh, then you've indirect negative feedback cultures uh, that perhaps use these words i think they're called downgraders um that kind of lessen yeah. the blow and americans are when i say americans i mean people from the united states of america um we are very uh, great at the compliment sandwich so sticking in a piece of constructive criticism in the middle of two positive compliments um and then the better way of calling the compliment sandwich is the shit sandwich yeah just to be clear i hate it oh my um, god <laughs> But uh, and then you've got Asian cultures um, like India, China and Japan, where they actually omit anything bad and only explicitly state the positive. So it's your decision or it's your responsibility to read between the lines and deduce what needs to be improved. However, when you join a new company, don't talk shit about people. Don't stoop to that level. Instead, if you have an issue with someone, first of all, just message them and say, hey, I have a couple things I'd love to chat to you about, how we can collaborate better. Do you have 15, 20, 30 minutes that we can block on the calendar just to talk about this? Make it a safe space so it's non-confrontational and it is done in private. Um, use the template of like, hey, here's the action that occurred. Here's how it made me feel. Here's how we could work better together moving forward. Uh, don't gossip. Use that template and listen to our episode because it has a lot more uh, advice for you. <laughs> I would say the one thing I would add to that is immediacy. Don't wait to do it because don't wait to do it. But yeah. then also um, don't put the blame out there. I think that this yeah. is like a big thing for like therapy is that um, don't use you statements, putting the blame exclusively on them and don't put it in third person. It's like this situation happened. I feel that this situation happened. You're putting it in your perspective and it's going to be their job to be able to like take that constructive criticism and constructive complimenting because there is a such thing as that. And they're going to be able to say, huh, like, is this something that was right about me? Is this something that had happened where I potentially like hurt people's feelings? If yes, then they're going to be much more like responsive about like what type of changes that they can make. And if no, some people will not understand that maybe they have offended somebody in some way and just kind of move on with their lives. It's okay to forgive people about that because sometimes just like they don't realize that this is something that has hurt you. Hopefully in that explanation, you've been able to kind of uh, say exactly like what has happened in the situation where like it was hurtful or disrespectful and things but um it will happen where there's going to be that like miscommunication where maybe the other person doesn't think that anything is wrong like please don't hold that against them it just it's different personalities it's different type of projection degrees and go to therapy about it if you're super like fucked up about it I'm just I saying. also want to shout out the book, Crucial Conversations. I highly, highly, Ooh. highly, highly recommend every single person reads this book. It applies not only to work, but to just difficult conversations you have to have in your everyday life as well with relationships with anybody. I Yeah, look, we'll include a link to it in the show notes. Look it up. Crucial Conversations is what it's called. Highly recommend. Well, I also want to say real quick that something you should really be thoughtful about 
when coming into a new team is that you don't have all the context. You don't know all the reasons for decisions. And so if you are coming in and are really, really opinionated right out the gate on everything and are wanting to change absolutely everything day one, don't. Take a step back, listen for a while, be somebody who tries to learn from the other people at your workplace, learns the context for things, that learn why certain decisions were made certain ways, learn why things are the way that they are, and then earn trust with your coworkers so that when you do want to change something down the road, you have that built up. Because a lot of times if you're just like, we need to change X, Y, and Z, because they're awful right now, you're like mm. insulting all the people who have been working on that team already who have built X, Y, and Z for all these reasons that you probably don't know of yet. And so right. take a step back, listen, be humble at first. Don't think that you're just coming in and like going to change everything right off mm. the bat. Please don't try to bulldoze. <laughs> oh my God, the worst. Like <laughs> I've noticed this so often with people. <laughs> I did that. I did that a little bit in my current role where someone had to be like, you need to pick your battles. And I was like, you're right. I do. I've been picking too many of them. Um, <laughs> one thing I wanted to positively call out is that my coworker is listening, Charlotte Gore. And she made she made a comment about uh, the feedback. And she said the, the trick is to focus on behaviors, which people can change and not personality, which they can't. Mm. So you sh- uh don't be afraid of saying you, but make it not about like you are. It's more about like, this is what you did. Uh, and yeah, I actually, I heard about that in a Danish parenting book as well, where they focus on like a growth mindset of not like you are this, but like you did this and behavior can be, be learned. That's a really good one. Yeah, that's a great one. That's a great one. Also give positive feedback. Sorry, that was my last point. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And CC people's managers when you give the positive feedback. Yes. Please give positive feedback. That's the only way that you're going to be able to like establish like, oh, okay, like imposter syndrome is rampant people. Like, come on. Sometimes you just like, you don't know. And I think that we've all experienced it where it's just like, am I like doing, am I doing okay? Like, is this something that like I can truly say? And just sometimes I I need that. I need that like external like confirmation. Not always, but like, yeah, just especially when you're starting out. Um, what else can we talk about? I, uh, I think that this other thing is really important is like to remember to confirm your payroll, make sure that you remember what retirement options that you might have, do your research on that, make sure that you are correct in whatever, uh, accounts that you're, what is it, uh, getting paid to like, Direct deciding deposit. which accounts. Yeah. yeah direct. I don't know why that word escaped me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I live this life as Ooh. the, as the employer. So yeah, definitely. I mean, you should already know what types of benefits you're getting since you did sign the, the job offer, uh, and you did sign the employment agreement, but take advantage of these. Not every, especially if your company has, uh, a 401k in, in, uh, the United States, uh, that does not automatically opt you in. Make sure you opt yourself in if you want to take advantage of that. If your company offers some kind of match, like let's say a 4% match, that's free money. Do it. Yeah. And insurance too. Sorry. Emma, go for it. I was just going to say, I didn't set up direct deposit when I first got to Sweden. And so I had to go like two months without a paycheck and I had to like wire money from my US account. And sometimes my card didn't work. It was the most stressful situation Ever. So uh set up direct deposit on day one. 
Yes. Yeah. Especially because we only get paid once also, a month here, so I had to wait a lot longer. That's right. <laughs> Oh my god. Also, shout out to Gusto. We use Gusto for our payroll solution. They make the onboarding process for new employees so incredibly easy. They are not paying me to say this. I am just a huge Gusto fan. Hashtag not That's awesome. sponsored. It's really good. <laughs> I think it's all Can of- we get them to sponsor us? <laughs> that would be nice. Hey Gusto, if you're listening, <laughs> hit me up. You know, I think um this topic of conversation really revolves around making sure you know what your benefits are and utilizing them. So like if when I joined Spotify, they had a lot of sessions about benefits, like a lot of benefit conversations. Um, They offer here are things I didn't know about. They offer like in vitro fertilization to couples in the U.S. up to a certain threshold. They offer egg freezing for women who are not ready to have children yet, um, but want to someday. Like these are all benefits that I wouldn't necessarily have known about if I didn't attend these sessions. So if they have them, do them. If they don't, make sure you read the company's handbook. I know it does not sound like a fun read. Read the handbook. It's very helpful. Also, some of us pay an attorney a lot of money to draft a handbook. So get my put the money to, you know, to good use. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. And if you have a if you work for a big company and they give you like a checklist of things to do, actually go through that checklist of things to do. Yeah. I think Emma and I have both had this experience recently, me with AWS and her with Spotify, where AWS gave me this massive checklist of things to do. And it felt intimidating at first. They kind of did space it up though. So it was an email drip of one week I got one checklist and the second week I got a second checklist and kind of uh grew over time, I guess, but that had all the information about setting up 401k, setting up insurance, setting up, um, again, the benefits she was talking about with um, reproduction and all that as well. So definitely check all that out. Do the checklist if you're given one. Nice. I really like that you guys had a Trello checklist, Emma. Like that's, first off, I live off of Trello and some people will like probably hunt me down and murder me if I say that but I really, I love Trello I, really I think like it's the best simpler. task manager I do too it's simple um, just it's really nice to be able to just like swipe just brush this away I don't need this anymore bye and it just it, I don't know that's instant like feedback and just like instant niceness to me I feel like mm. um Julieta says and take advantage of the other benefits like health stuff ooh massages Language learning, Pluricite accounts, discounts. Yes, definitely. I Do you guys like Pluricite? I, uh, I, this is a hot take. I don't like Pluricite. I think it's dense for me, but um, take advantage of any learning. Like we use LinkedIn learning. Um, and if you don't have mm, it as an option, yeah. always ask. Ask your manager, hey, can I get a subscription? Because yeah. in the past, I've never had an employer say no. Yeah. We have a, a cloud guru at work, which is like the perfect fit. And I've learned so much from there about my job. So highly recommend. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely want to stress the piece about asking your employer or your boss or whatever about getting access to certain things. The reason why every every developer on my team has a front-end master's account now is because somebody asked for mm. it. Um, also, if you're moving to a foreign country, ask about language classes. Uh, in Germany, it was, it was offered internally, but I was not allowed to attend, but they reimbursed me. They covered the cost of like an external uh, like school. Uh, also in Sweden, they offer it. So uh, it's also make sure you ask if your partner is allowed to take these things as well, because Spotify allows they have many benefits for partners. Um, but uh, let's talk quickly about like uh, appointments and vacation, because I 
this is the one thing I always make sure to do if I join a new company is immediately put if I know I have time off that I need to take, I'll tell my manager first and then I'll schedule it in workday or whatever scheduling tool we have because uh it's it's really important to get that on the calendar. That's good to know. Um seeming is that like I hot uh, just so I guess you guys are aware I'm going to be moving soon. So I'm still kind of like, uh, should I be like doing that? Like, should I just be like, hey, like I'll need a week off just to go like searching for places like I need a house to live in, damn it. So that that makes me feel a little bit better about talking about that and just being like, just I'm going to put it down. Just that's where that's what's going to happen. I'm very excited. <laughs> And we're going to finally be in the same state, guys. So <laughs> everybody's super excited about it. So yes, I'm, I'm ready. I'm when ready. When are we going to do a European summer. road show? That was my question. LOL. So hopefully soon. Get vaccinated. Okay. I don't know what that is. What is that? <laughs> a road show? Oh, what like literally that? go to Europe and yeah. record podcasts and try. Oh, together. that's what you're meaning. I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> that makes sense. That would be really cool. We should try and plan that in the next couple of years. I'm trying to go to Japan finally after like my ticket and everything got canceled from the Olympics. So, oh yeah, I'm just saying I like, I'm looking for a trip. So when are we going? When are we doing this? Do I need to book it on my calendar now? (laughs) I guess all this to say, just make sure you use your vacation. Like it is, it is there for a reason and it is supposed to be used. So please, please take time off. You've earned it. You've earned it. Just by existing at the company, you've earned it. Just by existing. Yes. Okay. So then uh, I think that we've talked a little bit about this, but I want to kind of like hit it home when it comes to training and getting used to your working environment. Um, We've already told you guys that you really do need to take advantage of making sure that you ask about different types of subscriptions, classes, uh, language learning, uh, different kind of benefits that you uh, might be able to take advantage of just because you ask your manager or some uh, person in the hierarchy. But um, making sure that in kind of like the local Local space, um, getting used to your work environment is going to be incredibly important for you guys. So make sure that you have, um, what is it, documents like from your manager, give them to your manager if there is like a certain way that you like to work best when it comes to your one-on-ones, your meetings. Um, I particularly like to have a developer journal. That is something really important to me to help list out my uh, different sets of training. It's helped me when it comes to like referencing some other notes that I've made that are really important, but aren't necessarily in the documentation. And it's just kind of like knowledge that people have like inside of their heads that live there. And maybe that will help you in the long run, potentially update said documentation, but also This is a place where you can share your accomplishments. You can reflect on the wins that you've had. You can reflect on the lessons or find a way to help you get unstuck and just like brain dump. So making sure that that is something that you guys have. I have a YouTube video on that. So we'll link that in the show notes. Um, But also I feel like when it comes to also working with the environment, um, being able to, let's just say that you're a developer, getting access uh, as early as you can to the work environment and the code environment that you're in. It's not like you're going to be pushing anything into production. You just want to experiment inside of like the local environment, the test environment, and just like see what exactly you can kind of connect the dots on to help you figure out like what exactly you're going to be doing for the tasks ahead. What do you guys think about that? 
Yeah, I love that. Uh, and in terms of documentation and getting the code base up and running, uh, one of the things that Spotify did that I think every company should do is have an internal tutorial on how to create an app with all of their technologies. Oh my God. So we use Backstage, which is an open source piece of software for internal documentation. Highly recommend it. I think it's wonderful. They had this... Uh, this tutorial, they had them for all different parts of the stack. If you were like a data analyst or a backend engineer, um, it was called the golden path. And essentially it walked you through step-by-step how to create a Spotify uh, application and use the APIs and all of that. Um, That was insanely useful. Um, But the first couple of meetings with my manager, first of all, I met with him every single day uh, for the first two weeks to make sure I was feeling good, especially remotely. Um, We had a career path conversation where both of us we had a timeline and we went through our entire career paths and then we plotted when we were excited about what we were working on and when we were low energy with it. And so we had a chart, both of us, which I loved. Um, and then the second exercise we did was a motivation exercise. And I had a bunch of different cards. It was like money, feeling accepted by my coworkers, the ability to be autonomous on my team. And you plot those along a scale from like biggest motivation to smallest motivation. And that way your manager can tell what motivates you. Um, and then lastly, we have these things called OKRs. It stands for objectives and key results. And, and that's where I track not only my personal goals, but my progress on those goals. So make sure you're tracking your small wins. I think also having, yeah, yeah. I think having documentation that you pass from manager to manager is a really great idea of all the things that make you tick. So the motivations, like Emma was saying, what your career goals are, but then also your wins, um, how you work best, what are things that really bother you or really get you fired up? What are the things that, yeah, exactly. What are the things that make you unique as a worker? Because even if you stick out this job for 10 years, most likely you're going to have a bunch of different managers over that time. And so having documentation that you can pass from manager to manager, and so it doesn't hold back your career when you change managers, I think that's a really great thing to have. I also have a notes repository and then a wins repository where I have those both private on my GitHub. Um, the notes are on everything that I could think of just because there's so much to remember. It's like my second brain. Um, I use Rome Research, which is an open source kind of clone of foam research, I think, or Rome research is the closed source one. And then foam (laughs) is the open source one. I think I use foam. So I really, really highly recommend having those notes that you build up over time. Um, And I like GitHub just because I live there as a developer as is. I would also say from a management perspective, have quick wins that you can set up for that person. So give them a couple issues that will allow them to navigate your code base, but will be pretty quick for them, at least hopefully, to uh, finish and complete and make it so that they feel accomplished early on. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I have a question here that I'd like to address. Caitlin Floyd had asked, when you're starting a new job, how much learning should be on the clock and how much should be off the clock? I think that depends. It's very much dependent on the company. I don't expect you to do any additional. Like if I hire you to build Shopify stores and you don't know Shopify yet, I'm not going to expect you to work overtime on your own time to learn Shopify. I'm literally paying you to learn that. I, I think that... I had the expectation where I was supposed to be learning always off the clock. And in some ways that left me very burnt out and very stressed and very demotivated about the different projects that I was on at one time. And so when I stopped doing that, um, I felt much more like appreciative of like the resources that I was given to do everything um, 
on the clock, like at certain times, because I don't know, maybe sometimes it's not like appropriate to like be sitting down and like learning things when you're supposed to actually execute. But I think that also just like depends on like the like structure of the company and like how like strict that is. I don't know. I I have different kind of takes on that. But what do you guys think, Emma and Allie? I think there's a huge benefit to as you need to know learning. So don't necessarily spend hours and hours and hours on the workday learning all the things you could possibly know about X topic that you don't really need to know that much about. Right. But learning the things that you're going to need to know to get X ticket resolved or whatever, mm-hmm. that is completely within the scope of what you should be doing during the day. I also think that employers that have a block of time each week for you to learn is an awesome benefit to have. And so I think most of the learning should be during the workday. That being said, if it's something that's a little bit tangential, then maybe that is done during a different time. Yeah, agreed. We do these hack. We call them hack weeks where every month, I think, they give us a week uh, to literally hack on whatever we want. We can build something or we can learn something. And if you learned anything substantial, you're welcome to to talk about it. But yeah, it's just honestly, I don't think anyone at, at Spotify would ever look down on you for being like, you know what, I'm going to take today and just learn. And I love being in that type of environment. And I encourage any employer listening to adopt that as well, because it's going to pay off so long as it relates back to your day job. It's in some way, right? Like I'm not going to go learn Swahili on the clock. But I think one other thing that we should mention is that you're only going to be new once. And so while you're new, ask all the questions that you have, because you have the total excuse of not knowing anything at this point. And so get comfortable asking questions at this point. And uh, there's no such thing really as a dumb question. So make sure to ask all those things and make relationships with the people that will be able to answer your questions and that you want to learn from during the workday. And for anybody that's listening, that's a more experienced developer that's potentially teaching other people, especially like new recruits or new developers, please stop saying that shit is easy (laughs) because depending on like the scope of whatever you're doing, it might be like easy for you because you've done it for years. That doesn't mean that it's going to be super easy or super like obtainable to that person that is first off overwhelmed when it comes to their new job and second off, like maybe has not never like seen anything like that before or has not used any of that knowledge to the specific extent that you are saying that it is easy. So stop saying that shit. It needs to be out of your vocabulary, period. Awesome. I have one question from our audience that I want to address. So as a junior software engineer, what kinds of targets, goals should you be setting for yourself in the first few months of joining the company? I think this is going to really depend on your company. And so I would talk to your managers and mentors and see what they suggest as a reasonable goal, because it's going to be very different at different places. But I think starting to get comfortable with the code base is the most important thing that you can do early on so that you can navigate it faster and faster in the future. Exactly. In those first few months, you're really spending time familiarizing yourself with the the company, the processes, code base, as you mentioned. It's I would, I would never expect somebody to, you know, overextend themselves, especially as a, as a junior. Like your goal as a junior is to learn. At least it should be. They even told me day one at AWS, like we don't expect you to be up to speed until six months in. Like we don't expect you to be mm. 
at that point until until then. And so having those expectations set up front, I think is really helpful that you don't have to know everything day one. You don't have to be fully up to speed. Yeah. You have a certain amount of time in order to get yourself there. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great take. Thank you. Thank you, Temi, for uh, asking that question. We really appreciate it. Um, what's next? What else should we th- talk I about I think we here? should, should uh, shift into shout outs now. Yeah, let's do it. Kelly, you go first. All right. I'm going to be that person. My Peloton finally arrived. <laughs> so I'm going to just be talking about my Peloton all the time. I absolutely love it. I decided to get the Bike Plus instead of the bike and being able to rotate the screen and do the auto follow stuff is the coolest thing. Um, and also I'm, I'm a really, really competitive person. So finally getting access to the leaderboard is very inspiring for me. So I am happy that after 12 weeks, my Peloton finally arrived. Cool. Congratulations. Thanks. That sounds great. How about you, Emma? I'm going to do some self promo because why the hell not? Uh, we finally released the new edition of my book about the technical interview process. Super excited about it because it's been a year since I first released it. So very excited and shout out to the team, Joel Hooks uh, and the team who helped me get this off the ground. Congratulations. It's a really great book. So you guys should check it out. I'm like slowly going through it myself. So thank y'all. It has been Ladybug podcast approved. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that makes it. So a bit like biased, we're on the Ladybug podcast. Yeah. So I don't know if that like is biased, but whatever. <laughs> it's a little, <laughs> it's, it's like Stack Overflow recursion. <laughs> <laughs> Approving our own stuff. Cool. <laughs> Something like that. Allie, what about you? <laughs> Mine is the Calm app, which is this meditation app on my phone. I've been really enjoying that. I was like somebody who was like, I could not do meditation. I'm just too wired up and anxious, but I've been doing it recently and it's been nice. So highly recommend. Sydney, how about you? I have a couple of like very small things. So I'm just going to like list them out uh, today. First off, thank you guys so much for like having me as a co-host here. Like it's been really fun. Uh, definitely was not expecting Emma to like hit me up and be like, hey, just I loved your talk after like uh, me and Allie like had you on the show. Like, fuck it. Let's just do it. Let's just like have <laughs> you as a co-host. So I appreciate it. All the love. Um, it's been a wild ride, honestly. And uh, yeah, we're going to like slowly get all these YouTube videos up. So just stay patient with us, guys. The second thing is that uh, I realized that some of my launch code students actually listened to the Ladybug podcast and didn't realize that I was a co-host. So shout out to you guys. Hi, you see my face now. So haha, I get to see you every Wednesday. Um, And then next, all of just everybody that has been really supportive of me. Um, it's been like a really strange and like stressful past couple of months. So you guys will hear about it later. It's totally fine. I'm not dying, but I just appreciate everybody that's been very supportive of me and everything. So yes, uh, love and happiness and shout outs and thank yous to everybody. That's it. And we love you. Yeah. And we are so glad that you are. You, you make the Ladybug podcast. So. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, Yeah, so that is it. That's it for our live show. And if you liked this episode, make sure that you go on ahead and tweet about it. And because you have tweeted about it, we will select one tweeter to win a copy of Miss Emma's free book this week. We're going to give a free copy. So just make sure that you guys tweet about it. It's not free, actually, but we are (laughs) going to be sending out a free copy. I don't know why I said that. But anyways, this is our last episode of the season. Like, I think that it went pretty successfully, ladies. So I think it did. But uh, we will be seeing you guys in a couple of months for season six. And uh, 
We'll have more resources in the show notes and things. And that's it. We love you guys. Thanks so much. And this is the Ladybug Podcast. Thanks for watching. 